Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Spectres, welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I'm here with my co-host, Sam. And we are excited to do another lore-based episode for you guys. Um, Sam, how you doing, buddy? How are things? I'm doing great. You might notice that there's been a little bit of a change-up in the background behind me. Uh, that uh-huh. is because we're still moving around furniture, trying to get the right feng shui of the apartment mm-hmm. uh, that's a minor well. that's a minor race in mass effect right the feng shui <laughs> the feng shui yeah the the second spacefaring species of the milky way mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. little known but very yeah. important yeah uh, the, all of their spaceships are designed very meticulously <laughs> <laughs> they're all uh designed to have a good flow in mind mm-hmm. yeah they're all about flow yeah uh so yeah awesome well welcome back um uh, any of our live viewers or people watching the video after this will notice that I am wearing glasses. I am now a glasses guy. I've upgraded. I've got, I've leveled up my vision. Sort of. I, I don't know what else to say about that, but uh, it's weird for me. <laughs> but uh, hey, <laughs> thanks for uh, bearing with us too. Also, uh, Twitch viewers on getting through some of the technical difficulties. But we are ready to jump in. What are we talking about today, my friend? So today we're going to be talking about the Salarians. We're going to be discussing, you know, the fast talking, hyperactive, always analytical and sometimes squirrely race of amphibians, the Salarians. The Salamandarians. The Salamandarians. Mm -hmm. Definitely they look like salamanders, but they also, you know, if there was ever a race that embodied knowledge is power you know those little informative things from the 90s mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. then it's it's these clever little lizards uh so we're gonna be talking about them all right well let's let's dive into it because i like these guys i think they're fun <laughs> they are uh more than specifically just you know i can't get over like how squirrely they are they're just like you know yeah. always talking never taking a breath um and okay so i think i think maybe we should like start with the physiological features and then like work to to the sociological dynamics of the salarian species yeah let's let's dig into it sure so the salarians like you know most other intelligent races in the milky way happen to be bipedal so they stand upright on two feet 
Um, and there's actually kind of a, a lore-based explanation. There's a couple explanations in the lore for why so many of the different intelligent Milky Way species all happen to be, uh, you know, like two two legs upright and and kind of have the same body shape as a human humanoidish sure right yeah yeah and um so this is a quote directly ripped from mass effect revelation who uh fans lorecast know that i just finished listening to it uh but i wanted to find a transcript because i remembered it in while when i was listening to it but i needed to find the transcript but anyway here's the transcript of the explanation Given that most species at the Citadel had ascended to interstellar flight through the discovery and adaptation of caches of Prothean technology on planets within the same solar system as their respective homeworlds, many anthropologists believed the Protheans had some role in evolution throughout the galaxy. Captain Anderson, however, subscribed to the most generally accepted theory that there was some evolutionary advantage to the biped form that resulted in its proliferation across the galaxy. The caches of technology were easily explained. It was only natural for the Protheans to study intelligent but primitive races that bore uh, some similarity to themselves. The various species, such as humans, had evolved first, and then the Protheans had arrived to study them, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so I think Anderson's take on that is probably the more logical uh, assumption that, you know, first species had evolved and then maybe the protheans chose to study them because of the similarities that they bore to the proteans right that but that evolution that, in general would yeah. would uh move towards bipedalism for intelligence or intelligent species with bipedal intelligence would emerge in species with bipedalism because of that being an advantage um, right. There was yeah. a, some evolutionary advantage to it. Right. And he didn't really know what it was, but he just could see that there was some advantage I there. like this theory. Um, the Star Trek theory. So it, it, they almost went in the direction of like Star Trek with this idea that like there was a root race that basically seeded its genes to all these different species across the the universe right and then that's why so many of them looked similar with like different wrinkles on their heads and things like that that was one of their explanations i remember back from like star trek the next generation um and i i don't this is i'm remembering back a long time so if i'm not getting that 100 correct please let me know but i think that there is something to be said here about uh the benefits of two things uh a thumb <laughs> the ability to have two hands that are not used to manage your movement um, the efficiency of standing on your bones as opposed to your muscles, and then also the the complexity of a voice box to be able to make complex sounds to develop language. I think those three things um, all lead towards higher levels of intelligence. But that's a whole nother topic yeah. if you want to dive into it. <laughs> I think we're probably going to have to go over like the evolution of different Milky Way species at some point. Um, mm-hmm. Just have like a sheer science episode and maybe have to have like Liara on as a guest uh, <laughs> anthropologist. Um, but basically these so to give uh, to give our listeners who aren't you know watching live to get them uh, you know like a kind of like a word picture. Uh, these amphibians, they, they had some scaly-looking skin, the Salarians, a little bit. And their skin tones varied from bright red to more subdued colors like gray uh, and green. And according to the art directors, they were actually meant 
as kind of a play on the cliche, the greys, that kind of sci-fi trope of aliens. That's so weird because they don't really look like that at all. (laughs) They don't. I think that they probably started just like the greys and then they're like, okay, but what if we change this? And Mm -hmm. what if we change this and this and this and this? Um, I can see it, I guess, with the big eyes because they have very large eyes and uh they they have two large eyes slanted and front facing mm-hmm. uh they blink upward though not downward which is similar to some amphibian species on planet earth uh and they can also see along the ultraviolet spectrum uh, so that's pretty interesting that's something that i didn't remember really learning in the game but during the research for this show i had found it out some species and on earth guess- can do that as well yeah yeah and i think monitor lizards do that they blink upward and not downward and and some reptile species even have multiple layers of eyelids too yeah like uh Um, crocodiles exactly um and because of their unique eyes there has been i suppose some um miscommunication with humans because sometimes solarians do this thing where they roll their eyes but it's not in social disgust or anything like that. <laughs> uh-huh. It's not because you said something that they're like, oh, what a bleeping idiot, you know? Right. It's actually just because they need to moisten their eyes. Um, so, <laughs> so their eyes are just getting dry and irritated. Right. And so it's kind of like a dog eyes. licking its nose. It's not like it's exactly. cleaning its nose. It's just its nose needs to stay moist. And so it licks its nose every so often. And imagine taking offense to that. Yeah, like, oh my God, why are you picking your nose? And it's like, no, I'm just, that's just what we do. (laughs) That's how our faces work. That's the thing we do. Yeah, it's how our faces work. Or like a species that doesn't need to blink, you know, and we blink. That would be creepy. Right? But like we blink and they don't. (laughs) And like, yeah. That would be very creepy. I think I'd be very off put by that. Um, which is hilarious because there's a evolutionary reason to that too. You know, we blink less when we're in the fight or flight mode. So Mm -hmm. that's why I would be off put by that. Um, Mm. but as for Solarian's heads, so think of the classic Hollywood aliens that I already mentioned with the big craniums, but instead they also have two curved horns on top. And usually the, the, the horns curve toward each other. Uh, there's one notable exception to that, and that's Dr. Morden Solis. It looks like one of his horns actually got chopped off. Uh-huh. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I can remember if there was ever an in-game explanation for what happened to his horn. No, but uh, I, you're right. I, that's one of those things that I notice when I look at him. And Yeah, he's different yeah. from a lot of other Solarians. Yeah. I wonder if that was a design decision, though, in order to make him stand out uh, among other characters that you you see considering the facial scars that he has i think it was Mm -hmm. because he also has some facial scars that are pretty prominent uh whereas other solarians don't really have that not even the solarian specters i I think that Um, there's probably something uh similar with a lot of the alien races and the ones that you are companions with that helps you identify them as your companion not just the fact that you like you put them in a certain outfit or they have a name over their head or whatever uh but like you see their face and you go you go like oh that is that's not just a solarian that's my solarian my solarian that was a hit back in 1979 <laughs> that is the scientist solarian. my solarian 
my jokes are landing so well are, tonight. Are, I was going to say, so are good. you going to release an album here? Soon? Oh, yeah. Because you, you should think of it. Yes. Yes. I'm going to release a Mass <laughs> Effect uh, album where I do popular songs from the last five decades <laughs> about all each of the characters. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, save uh, save us. What what else do we know? Solarian. <laughs> so Solarian body types, and this is something that the games didn't really go do a good job to even depicting. I mean, they didn't mention it, but they don't really do a good job in the art. I think illustrating the point that Solarians are supposed to be much taller and skinnier than human beings. They're almost all supposed to be above six foot and sometimes up to six foot five. I think Morden himself is six foot four or six foot five. He's he's supposed to be very, very tall. Mm -hmm. Um, And as far as I can remember from the games, they don't really seem that tall. Um, That is because of their metabolism, their height and their lack of meat on their bones is due to a hyperactive metabolism to the point and it's so hyperactive it's to the point where solarians only sleep an hour a night that's it wow (laughs) so i thought of elf the movie elf when i first heard that because i'm like oh yeah did you sleep last night yeah i got a full 45 minutes yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, and and a lot of other other lore uh, elves in general like dungeons and dragons elves don't need to sleep they they just meditate you know or whatever uh but yeah, I mean, obviously they're not elves, but like an hour a night of sleep, which is which is Can odd being that they're so intelligent because you don't sleep for reasons of metabolism. You sleep because your brain is taking time to consolidate the things that you've experienced and learned throughout the day. And it's like at least this is the most current theory I know about this is that it's in a sleeping and especially in dreaming where we consolidate our memories. And so that's like, that's why we as a species sleep more than other species, other mammals that are even similar to us in a lot of other ways or larger or, or whatever. It's because our brains are so uh, important and um, complex. It's interesting. It's interesting. You bring up memory because uh, Solarians also have a a a photographic memory. So they never forget really anything. Mm -hmm. They memorize their family, their clan members up to the millions. Um, so their memory is absolutely insane and the speed at which they can recall those facts is also insane. And we'll get into how that kind of fits into how they interact with the galaxy a little bit later. Um, but their hyperactive metabolism, according to the lore might account for their kind of speedy development as a species. They were the second species to discover the Citadel, uh, but it could also serve as the reason for their fast talking and very fast thinking. Mm -hmm. Uh, According to the Codex, the Salarians perceive other races to be sluggish or (laughs) dull-witted. So that comes off in how they talk to everyone else, I think. Uh, Especially Shepard. Right, right. So I'd love to hear a conversation between a Salarian and an Elcor. Yeah, right. Oh my god. Um, the, The last point you have here is that their lifespan is only... 40 years and yeah this is i mean this is another theory that they have in that uh most uh mammals on our planet have a very similar lifespan when it comes to the speed of their internal activity meaning like 
how fast their heart rate is and how how their bodies work. So smaller, faster, more active animals tend to live a shorter amount of time, but they still live for, for roughly a similar number of heartbeats. It's it's as if larger animals and then also live longer, but our hearts beat more slowly. It's as if on some level we're all perceiving the world at different rates based on our internal biology and the way that we process information and the way that we interact with the world around us. So when it comes to something like that, it would make sense that something like a solarian is just moving at a faster rate than the rest of us. Yeah, it's like the Solarians are Quicksilver from from X-Men and yeah. we're all just everyone normal. Right. Like baby Quicksilver, <laughs> though. Like like they're just like if we're moving at like 100 percent rate, they're moving at like 130 percent. Like they're just turned up a little bit, which means that they're going to get to the end of the race, meaning the end of their life faster than we do. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, you could even extrapolate it and say, like, if if by this time in 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 the, you know, span of human existence let's say the average person lives to 80 years old right easy number to do they only live to 40. do they move twice as fast through life you know are they thinking and reacting and are they just processing things twice as quickly potentially i think it's possible um but i think the interesting thing is like you know if you extrapolate it to the to the opposite extent um, the Asari have much longer lifespans. So does that mean that they're moving through life and thinking 10 times slower than human beings? Right, they don't that's seem to not be true. Right, right. No, that's not true. They seem pretty uh, comparable. But maybe maybe uh, that's just a difference in their design, you know, uh, especially because they were probably more influenced than, say, the Solarians right. or the humans were. If the Solarians and the humans were more naturally influenced by evolution, then it would make sense that they're both kind of on the same. They're fitting into the same equation. And the Solarians are just moving at twice the rate on the same basic equation, whereas, um, oh crap! You just said their name. The uh, the Asari. The Asari. The words just fall on my head, especially as it gets later. And we do this podcast starting at ten thirty at night. Um, the Asari are maybe by design able to move at a more human rate, but for a lot longer t- period of time. They're uh, they're just fundamentally different on that level. Right. And they were purposefully changed, you know, so I'm glad that you brought that up. They were purposefully changed by the Protheans. I don't think that such evidence exists for the Solarians. The Protheans definitely monitored the Solarians. They knew about their existence. But according to Javik, the last known Prothean, the uh, entire Prothean Empire kind of viewed the Solarians as little lizards who might make a good appetizer. <laughs> you that's, you know, that's, that's the extent of how Javik viewed them, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so they viewed them very primitively. And I don't think the Protheans, I don't think that there's evidence to suggest anyway, that the Protheans uh, had as much of a hand in shaping the evolution of the Solarians as much as they did the Asari. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, that should kind of stand as a testament to how technologically advanced and intelligent and fast moving the Solarian species is that they ultimately became the second to find the Citadel. Right. So here comes a, here's another concept. Um, one of uh, there's another concept about our own development and progress as humans that people don't change opinions as they get older, that most it's not like progress happens because people learn more information and change and become, say, more enlightened or more liberal or whatever as they get older. And in fact, that's usually not the case. 
usually as people get older, they get more stuck in their ways and they become more conservative and they want the world to look more like the way it was when they were younger or at least with the way they perceived the world to have been like when they were younger. Right. And the theory goes that progress really only happens when the group in power dies off. So, uh, for example, um, let's just look at progress when it came to something like, uh, slavery in, in America. It wasn't that all of a sudden come, you know, the, the end of the 1800s, a bunch of people changed their mind about slavery. It was more that people who were hard and fast for slavery died off and younger people who grew up in a world that was more against slavery continue to be more against slavery. And that that's how progress works. You know, it's not like, um, like, uh, my parents had computers at, and when they were younger, younger adults, when I was a child and they were, you know, parents of children. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they're more comfortable with them now because they had it as younger adults. But me being a child, having a computer means that I'm going to be comfortable with computers for my entire life because I'm just used to it. I grew up with it. Right. But any new devices that come out, say like now I'm still going to be uncomfortable with when I'm older and those things won't really take root until my generation passes away, or at least don't really won't really be understood by the ruling class. I guess we should say that until the ruling class passes away. So in uh, to wrap this up in, in a system where every 40 years you have a completely different set of people that's going to progress a lot faster than in a system where you have 70 years or 80 years or 100 years or 1,000 years. Society is going to progress faster inherently. And we did previously when people had shorter lifespans that um, like scientific progress and technology has in increased in speed, but the acceptance of those things is slowing down because people are living longer. And that makes sense. Um, and it also makes sense if you extrapolate it. The thought just came to me while you we were talking about the Krogans also tend to live around a thousand years long. And, you know, cultural uplifting notwithstanding, we'll get there in the Solarian Zone episode, is uh, that this, the Krogans culturally didn't really advance past the atomic age for us, like the human humanity's atomic age. In fact, they ruined their planet from nuclear warfare mm -hmm. uh, because of that. And I can I, I think that it's fair to assess that as a cultural failure on the Krogan's part. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, totally. And that's one of the theories why um, we haven't officially experienced any uh, activity from alien races at all. It's like <laughs> one of the theories is that, like, according to the numbers, if you play the numbers, there's enough habitable worlds out there and the universe is old enough that there should be alien races all over our galaxy that have been around a lot longer than we have. So why haven't we come in contact with any of them? Why don't we have any evidence that they're you know, even just radio signals coming from their planets or whatever? Why don't we have evidence of them existing? And one of the theories is that every biological uh, every biologically evolved species that gets intelligent enough to reach the atomic age will eventually destroy itself because we don't evolve socially fast enough to deal with the kind of damage that one terrible leader could possibly pose on destroying an entire race or entire planet. Right. Like we don't evolve fast enough socially. And that's why we have all the conflict that we do. Which it is pretty terrifying. It's terrifying. Um, <laughs> 
when you when you consider the fact that uh, several billion people are effectively held hostage because of the potential nuclear whims of a few of just a few people. Um, yeah. 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 And 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 we still emotionally act as if we are living in a tribal society. That's why we have so many us versus them situations. That's why politicians can use the fear of the outsider in order to influence the, you know, what's okay with the masses. You know, this is this is why the majority of conflicts that happened over the 20th century happened and were influenced by these kinds of things. Even though we are in a global society, we still act like a tribal people. We only trust the people that we know, and we're very nationalist. If you're not part of us, you're against us. And we need to evolve past that, or we're just going to destroy ourselves. The Krogan are a shining example of populism, <laughs> there, and, and there why populism doesn't work. Yeah. Um, that's a hot take from yours truly. If you want to <laughs> hit me up about all the benefits of populism and why it's a viable political ideology for the future, uh, you know my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, deep thoughts, man. We're, we're covering some some uh, really fun topics on this one. Well, anything else you want to hit before we move to the mid break and then take on some? You other know, stuff? when we come back, when we come back from the mid break, I, I have uh, I have what is becoming a trend in our species episodes where we're going to talk about Solarian reproduction. Woohoo! Uh, reproduction, everyone's favorite. Um, very taboo, and it seems to be with a number of species. So, mm-hmm. uh, I guess we'll go to the mid break for now and we'll tantalize that, that topic for after the break. <laughs> All right, here we go. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. So we have some, uh, really fun news guys. We have launched our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast is now available for all of you to sign up there's a bunch of different tiers you can help support the show which goes directly to both me and sam and being able to do these episodes and we we would love if you would just buy us a cup of coffee or something that would be awesome or you know maybe me some orange soda because orange soda is the freaking best i don't know why it's ever stopped drinking orange soda um but yeah so if you want to ship in a buck or five bucks or 10 bucks or 25 bucks, whatever, go check it out. There are a bunch of tiers with a bunch of really cool things that you can get. Uh, early episodes, ad-free episodes, um, discounts for the store. I'm going to have some shirts, some Mass Effect shirts up on our store. Uh, we've been tossing around some ideas for, for different shirt designs. Uh, potentially a, a shirt that goes out to patrons once a month. That might be a thing that we add at some point. It's not there yet, but it might be something we add. Um, and then even the ability to join us on the end of the month episodes. And we're doing our first end of the end of the month episode a week from right now. It is the 23rd while we record this in a week. Sunday night, this coming weekend on the 30th, we will be doing our first patron episode. And we already have two tier four patrons that will be joining us. So Thanatosted and Kather Knoxblood. So thank you to everybody who signed up already. We already have eight patrons this didn't even go up in an episode yet and people just responded from twitter and on the discord and started signing up you guys are you guys are nuts so thank you very very much um you have any thoughts on this sam did you want to chime in with anything yeah i just wanted to say that i'm incredibly humbled i'm incredibly thankful and appreciative to everyone who would like to show their support with the with the patreon um as we've said before you know 
this podcast is always going to remain free. You're never going to have to pay to listen to it. Uh, but there are those benefits that we mentioned about becoming a patron. Um, and just, yeah, you know, any little bit that you want to contribute to the patron, it's immensely appreciated. It helps us kind of continue doing what we're doing. And I mean, we already love what we're doing. So, uh, if you want to just even tell your friends, I mean, if you don't want to, you know, become a, a patron on Patreon, just tell your friends about the Lorecast, and that's more than enough for us. Yeah. That, I mean, every little bit helps. Um, I do, I do podcasting full time now. I've been fortunate enough to have people support my other podcasts, uh, the other, the fall Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, Cyberpunk Lorecast, D and D Lorecast, all these other podcasts that I do. Um, and it, it, I've been fortunate enough to do that. I'm still working to get to the point where I'm earning as much as I was with a full-time job, but it's because of people like you guys being here every week, listening even just sharing with your friends, leaving a review any of that stuff and now signing up on patreon that allows me to be able to do that and i know sam appreciates it as well um and it, you know it, it's nice to be able to do the thing that you love doing and spend the time to really do a good job at it you know like that it really does make a difference um but speaking of reviews we also have two new reviews that came in, in the last week we have one from and i love <laughs> i love this alex i love your style buddy from canada this is the title of the, you know, how it has like a title and then it has like all the info. Well, this is his title. Been a fan of Mass Effect since day one, but these guys still teach me stuff. Five stars. An amazing podcast and Lorecast. <laughs> that was his description. <laughs> so it was like reversed. So like all the big info is in the title, which I, I love that because it's like it's all bold. Um, so thank you, Alex. That's awesome. And hello to America's hat. How is it up there? I hope it's not too hot yet because it's getting hot down here. Um, and then we have Nate2566 from the United States who writes, awesome five stars, perfect podcast for veterans or first timers of the Mass Effect games really held me over for the past month waiting for the legendary edition to be released. Thank you both for all the great content. Well, you're very welcome. I'm glad you found us and thank you for taking the time to leave a review. It really does help. Um, people read these when they're searching for shows and you know, these kinds of reviews tell them things that we can't tell them about the show and that you guys can tell them from the you know standpoint of a listener. And it really, really does help. So thank you so much. And that's oh, uh, who the, who the fool in chat. That's you. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Welcome to the live stream. Um, that's amazing. So uh, those are our reviews. Now let's move on to our uh, we have another shepherd, right? Oh, wait, we had a question in chat. I just want to put this up on the screen real fast. A little hint of what the uh, the t-shirts might look like there. That uh, might be some of the art style we're playing with. We're thinking about doing some silhouettes with some uh, uh, some quotes or some words that make sense where the silhouette of, of the character, that kind of stuff with maybe a big logo like our own small logo on the back or on the sleeve or something like that. We'll figure it out. We're, we're playing with some of that ideas, those ideas. But let's move to our, our shepherd. Who do we have this week? Absolutely. Uh, so we have a shepherd coming from, uh, and now I'm pronouncing a Twitter handle, so you're going to have to forgive me, but it's coming from Bobcat Bonks on Twitter. And this is John Shepard, Commander John Shepard. He is a soldier, earthborn, and soul survivor. His alignment is full paragon. And in uh, Bobcat Bonks's uh, description he says in Shepard's eyes the people he saved are always the top priority uh, so I think that's uh, some pretty good color commentary about how his Shepard perceives uh, you know what's important and what's not so the key decisions that command 
Alexander John Shepard has already made were that he kept Rex alive. He saved Ashley on Vermeer. Sorry, Caden. Sorry, Caden. That, that's total. That's totally a trend. That's meta. Um, yes. Sorry, Caden. You're just not as interesting. So, <laughs> yeah, and what what a shame because Caden becomes what I, from what I've heard one of the best squad mates in Mass Effect Three. Um, but Commander I may John never Shepard know. also you might never <laughs> might, know, but I, mean, I may never know. I'm I'm committed to saving Caden this playthrough because right. I never do. Yeah, so. I, I'm like he's definitely not on my list of people to save. But okay, <laughs> every time I, I talk about Caden and I. I acknowledge how kind of milk toast he is in the first mass effect i kind of feel bad for Raphael sbarge uh, who voice acts mm-hmm. caden mm-hmm. um because it's you know it's not entirely uh, at his actually it's not his fault at all it's just the writing right you know yeah, i think i think that yeah i think that Raphael sbarge does a great job uh but it's just you know that's who caden is that's the character uh but still you know I, I don't know. I kind of feel a level of empathy. But anyway, Commander John <laughs> Shepard romanced Ashley in Mass Effect 1. He stayed loyal to her in Mass Effect 2. And he's planning on rekindling the romance in Mass Effect 3. Mm. So there's a, a nice romantic, uh, hopeless romantic story for you there. Uh, Commander John Shepard stays celibate in Mass Effect 2 <laughs> so that he can rekindle with Ashley. Um the cockles of my heart are just totally warmed up. Uh, <laughs> cockles. So, uh, Commander John Shepard also saved the Rachni Queen and destroyed the collector base, quote, because we don't need it, and, quote, to piss off the elusive man. Fair enough. I can't think of any better reasons to do it. Um, Bobcat Bonks is still currently playing Mass Effect 3, so he said that he hasn't gotten here yet, but he plans to, A, cure the genophage, and B, destroy the Reavers. All yes. Right. Well, good luck. My favorite ending. Good luck. So, and we we actually also uh, just did a poll on our Twitter recently. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yes. Yeah, so I haven't looked at this. How did, it, how did it come out? I haven't seen this yet. So I need to pull it up again, but I'm just going to go from memory right now and maybe fact check me. Um, okay. Is that we did a poll about, you know, hey, of our followers, what ending did you choose? Mm-hmm. And it turned out, as I saw, that 68% of poll respondents picked the destroy or red ending. Yes, that and is that is currently uh, where it's at. Destroy, red ending, 68%. The next highest was synthesis, the green ending, 24%. The next one was refused or rejected choices, 8%. And nobody, nobody in our poll chose the control ending, the blue one. So, yeah, I, I kind of, I, I guess I get that because it's like the control ending is so obviously what the elusive man wanted. And I think it's obvious that the elusive man becoming became indoctrinated. So I kind of commend also the people who were bold enough to refuse and reject all the choices because good for you i mean you people looked at the 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 star child the catalyst and said hey buddy why don't you f off (laughs) i don't like any of your choices i don't like any of your choices and we're just gonna win this war conventionally and then uh for anyone who doesn't know when spoilers alert uh when you do that uh it doesn't end well for (laughs) shepherd you basically just lose that's game over and it's like better luck next cycle and then some beacon that liara leaves is supposed to help them along 
and that's it that's mm-hmm. the end of your game mm-hmm. it's kind of like the suicide ending in cyberpunk but i won't go into that because that's spoilers if you haven't played cyberpunk there i, I mean yet. i don't think that's the spoiler. like there, there is an option for choosing suicide but i won't tell you mm-hmm. what that means um but yeah that uh i chose that one that was not the right choice i'll just leave you there um <laughs> uh, none of them are really the right choice but it's definitely the worst of the choices um well cool well i think we need to get back to the rest of the show what do you think yeah absolutely let's do it hello hi do you like bad movies do you find yourself defending bad movies saying things like well the soundtrack was okay or the costumes were pretty fun from the previous hosts of it's not that bad podcast we bring you fresh tomatoes the movie podcast from simone larue and chad ekovitz every week we review two movies that did not do well critically but we say hey there's some nice things about them maybe rotten tomatoes was wrong maybe they're all fools and you should watch these movies regardless we'll also talk about scenes that could have saved it and we'll often refer to simone's cats because they're amazing and adorable and we love them <laughs> and at the end of each review we will tell you whether we would watch this movie again or in what circumstances we would recommend you watch this movie so join us on july 9th for the first drop of our main episode and then two days later for our drop of our minisodes and on robots radio podcast network come see us on july 9th we love you so much already bye, bye. america we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights life liberty and the pursuit of happiness At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right. So here we are. Uh, (laughs) The note says return to discussion of Solarian biosocial features. (laughs) I feel like that's something that like the the computer would say, you know, (laughs) I have been called cold and calculating before. So that works. (laughs) (laughs) Same as the one who puts together the show notes. Yeah. Uh, hence why I uh, picked Ruthless for my most recent Shepard playthrough. <laughs> That's my psych profile, Ruthless. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I think mine but, is too. And we'll, we'll have to talk a little bit about that at the end of the, the, end of the show. But um, yeah, so. Oh, yeah. So we're getting, to, we're getting to the sexy Solarian part. What are we talking about oh, here? Oh, yeah. For, for all of you that really got it bad for the Solarians, you're going to want to perk your ears up and lean forward in your chairs right now. I mean, look at those uh, faces. How could you I not? Adjust myself. How could you not? Oh, ooh. <laughs> how could, yeah. How could you not get it on for the grace? I mean, um, <laughs> look, at, look at that. Look at that face. Mm. Mm. <laughs> oh, Dalatras. Mm. Oh. Mm. The their reproduction is somewhat unsurprising in some ways and in others surprising. They are like amphibians and they lay clutches of eggs, Uh, but unfertilized ones become males and fertilized ones become females. However, because of strict social rules, most clutches are prevented from being fertilized, which makes upward of 90 percent of the species male this is kind of a big deal this is super weird because they have sexual and asexual reproduction at the same time and that's what determines gender i don't know of any other creatures i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i have not heard of this being a thing at least with any earth species 
I know that some creatures no. can choose to reproduce asexually if they can't find sexual reproduction. I know that that's a possibility, but the idea of that being a, the thing that determines gender is interesting because that means that every male has the same genetic code origin, or at least all of the male's genetic code is m matches the mother's genes directly, even if they don't yeah. have the same X, Y, X, X, or I don't know if that even works with Solarians, but um, well, it's it's interesting that you say that because it's they have a specific hatching ritual, too. And this hatching ritual has to be attended by the Dalatras of their most uh, local governmental body. So whatever is the most local, whether that be a fiefdom or, you know, a, a nation, the post office, um, the Dalat the post office <laughs> you're um, in a remote place and the post <laughs> the postal worker is the highest level of like government then god so help you because that person is going to be a gatekeeper for sure uh -huh. <laughs> but the dalatrasses of both the mother and the father have to be present if the offspring is going to be female however that's so rare because these strict social rules dictate that only that that, that the clutches are only going to be, you know, fertilized about 10% of the time. Here's exactly what the wiki and the codex state. Ancient social codes determine who gets to fertilize eggs, which produces more daughters to continue bloodlines. Fertilization gener generally occurs after months of negotiation between the parents' clans, and it's done for purposes of political and dynastic alliance. No Solarian would imagine defying this code. Okay. Um, so. I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, that matches some things in our culture, but clearly there's other things in our culture that influence sexual reproduction that aren't necessarily based on, you know, uh, making plans with the neighbors, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, hey, uh, Bob, I wanted to get your opinion on uh, the kids that me and my wife are going to have. Right, yeah. That'd yeah. be a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, what do you say we, uh, is... we, we, we're in business together. What do you say we make some kids together? Okay. <laughs> like, well, it's, in, it's interesting that you equate it to a business partnership because that's kind of exactly how the Codex refers to it. Um, because the Solarian reproduction is kind of viewed as a necessity. It's just there. They view it as a duty. Mm -hmm. And in fact, Dr. Morden Solis tells us in mass effect Two that for Solarians, sex is not hormone based. Right. There's no hormones right. driving their behavior there. So it's not passionate. It's not an act of, and they don't pretend like it's an act of love. It's just an act of necessity. That's how they see yeah, it. I wonder if it's and even because of that, pleasurable or if it's just a thing that you can do. And, it must just be a thing that they do, uh, which might be why if you try to act like you're coming on to Morden, <laughs> he kind of brushes it off. Because <laughs> it doesn't would, make he, any he sense. He probably doesn't have the language right. to even understand it, or at least not in an emotional I think level. He says, I think he says something along the lines of like, you know, don't get me wrong, Commander. If I were human, you'd be my type or <laughs> something right. like that. Right. It's just very just polite, but it doesn't really mean anything. Right. Yeah. Soften the blow a little bit. Uh, definitely no pun intended there, but. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> so speaking of romanticism, there's no concept of it in Solarian uh, social realms. Uh, there's only something like friendship. 
And because of that, they don't really have any I like ideation of love. Mm-hmm. Love in quotation marks. Um, because it's not associated with reproduction, but it's also just not present in their society. And when you start to think about, you know, a society that doesn't understand or practice the concept of love, uh, you really like you, you, I think at least for me, you start to think that's a totally alien society, right? Yeah. Well, because so uh, many things that we do are based around love. The, the question that brings to mind is uh, we use the word love for a lot of things and other cultures historically have, have had multiple words that all can translate to love in English. So there's like romantic love. Um, there's familial love, there's brotherly love. Um, there's, you know, passionate you know, love there's like, there's, there's different ways to use that. Does this mean that like all versions of that don't exist? Like do parents not love their children or is it more of a, there is just no romantic love. So there's no like, Oh my God, I need to be with you. And so I will, you know, I will kill the bad guy and save you because I'm so in love, you know, like with the princess, you know, like, or whatever. That's a terrible example, but, or, or is there just duty, you know, like, I am committed to raising my children. It is my duty, but it's not, Oh, I love my kids. You know, like there, that could be a difference too. I'm committed to my, my friends because they are my friends and that's what I do. That's what you do with your friends. You tell them the truth and you follow through with your word because you are somebody of your word. And so that is your duty, but you don't love your friends. Like sometimes you just, you know, you're just like, Oh man, I love hanging out with these guys. They're the best. You know, like, how does that work? And, you know, I think, uh, I ha- I have a lot of, of friends from different cultures and I've studied a few languages enough to know that English is really the, one of the very few languages that love is an all encompassing word. Um, for example, in some cultures, they really don't like parents don't tell their children that they love them. And that's not like they're bad parents it's just not part of the like it's not part of the jargon it's not part of their mm. colloquial dictionary right. Um, right they they have words for it i suppose but it's just not it's not practiced the way that it's expected in western cultures right right um, and then even for western european languages like french there is a word you know i i love you you know je t'aime, mm-hmm. but there's also other Jamar. ways to say that. Right. Right. Yeah, right. right. Uh, and, and, and there's different, there's varying levels of strength too, because I could also say, je l'aime, like, Oh, like I, I like it. Like meaning like, I like, I like a croissant. Right. Right. <laughs> but, right. But you wouldn't say that but, to um, your romantic partner, at least not maybe, in a romantic not, concept. You I mean, you might just say, yeah, I, I, I like you. Yeah. Like, I like you, but I also love you. You could say it that way. But you wouldn't like if they said, I love you, you wouldn't respond with the other because <laughs> that would be like, oh, you didn't tell it or say it back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one hurts. Um, but if you're Solarian, you don't have to worry about that because <laughs> because there's none of that involved. It's how would you like to lay a clutch of eggs and offer it a lot? <gasps> how scandalous. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Let's let's shake hands on that. And OK, well, well first, let's get our entire extended families involved. Right. Um, right. So yeah, someone in chat who, who was it? Um, I can't find it now. Oh, uh, Mark 10 gamer says, why does this remind me of arranged marriages? That's because it is, yeah, um, it, they are, is. they're not marriages per se, but they're arranged reproductive rights. 
um, which I can't remember the episode, but it does remind me of something in Futurama right now. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, it's 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 Kip uh, in Futurama. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of funny that the Salarians are similar to that. Um, but huh. there is a lot uh, that would be different in a society given how the absence of the concept of love would just alter its course versus humanity or Asari, you know, because the Asari definitely feel love and their arts have been influenced by it. Their political dealings have been influenced by it. Very similar to humanity. But the Salarians have advanced all the same with the absence of love. Now let's back up a second to re-examine the fact that 90%, upwards of 90% of the Salarian species is male. Mm-hmm. What then does that mean? What place do the females hold in Salarian society? Well, they're rare, obviously, uh, but and they're often kept isolated on their own homeworlds. This is starting to sound like an oppressive tale, right? Um, however, it's not. The females in Salarian society are almost always in political leadership positions known as Dalatrasses, or what would be a Salarian matriarch. The males aren't kept from power in other spheres like business or academia or the military, but they rarely ever hold political power. The only exception to this that I know of is Counselor Valern uh, or Valern. He's the Salarian council person in 2183, you know, i.e. Mass Effect 1. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the way that they're political power is divvied up between the two genders where it's like 99.9% of the time a political leader is going to be female. Well, it seems like they figured out how to leverage their, uh, their control of a a very rare resource for their own power. Does that make sense? I guess. Um, I mean, I think that, I think that it's kind of like not a choice almost of the females in society. I don't like feel expected like, to go into politics. Right. Um, because there's so few of them and they need leaders. There needs to be a Dalatras at every level of government, by the way, in Salarian society. Um, so that presents the need for enough of a political um, obligation that if a female were to shirk that obligation, I'm not sure what would happen. Would they be exiled? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they purposefully create females. Think of it that way. Mm-hmm. The Salarians purposefully have daughters and they have a very specific amount. And those daughters are the product of political and dynastic alliances. Right. So think of like Napoleonic Europe or Victorian England. Uh, where we're talking about these backroom deals that are being made. But in this case, the object of those deals are offspring. Mm-hmm. Um, so their, their government is called the Salarian Union. Uh, but as we've discussed, it's, it's more of a matriarchal dynastic system. Right. And the structure from smallest to largest organizational uh, plane is fiefdom, barony, Duchies, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Is mm-hmm. it douche? Duchies. How do you yeah, pronounce like, it? Duch- duchies? Yeah, yeah. Um, planets and marches or colonization clusters. And each one of those is ruled by a single Dalatras. Interesting. So um, it, it's like this is a very unique system. Like I, I can't think of anything similar 
to this in our society. I mean, there, there have been societies that were matriarchal that has, that is a thing, but this, the tie for matriarchal and the women being a, a rare resource that are planned because of political reasons in order to basically create the next potential ruler and political leader is, is a spin. It's a spin. It's kind of a spin on trying to plan the offspring of the ruler to have sons so that that dynasty can continue. But it's, it's flipped, which is interesting. And then it's almost like you've instituted a level of federalism in it too. Yeah. Because federalism dictates that different levels of government supremacy. So national government holds supremacy over state government and state government holds supremacy over local governments. Um, so there's a level of, of federalism going on here, which is interesting because they're also dynasties. Um, right. And the closest thing in history that I can equate it to might be feudal Japan. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. feudal Japan had right had, had the sh- the shogunate and the local warlords. Right. Which were all uh, dynasties. That might be the closest thing that I can think of. Yeah, they were all their own dynasties. Yeah, feudalism in general has has that kind of thing going for it. But uh, you're right. In Japan, it was all based around family groups, and the family groups were more contractual than they were necessarily biological connections. Which is that's interesting. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And so across all of these governmental levels, there's familial clans and there's circles within those clans. And the first circle averages about 100 members, and that includes siblings, aunts, uncles, cousins, immediate family members. Um, and the next circle is second cousins, extended family, etc. And that one can get up to, you know, a thousand plus members. Uh-huh. And uh, according to the wiki, the fourth and fifth circles of these family clans can reach in the millions, millions of different people. Uh, <laughs> and the Salarians remember everyone's name right because they their brains are designed to do that that's nuts that's crazy. what a family reunion that would be uh, <laughs> you're my seventh cousin 27 seven times removed on the aunt's side of my uncle so-and-so you're like oh my god right and yeah. they, they only live 40 years so it's like a family reunion every time <laughs> <laughs> right right Jeez. And, and everyone remembers everyone else's business like there's no secrets right because everyone always remembers it they never forget right i wonder if that means they just don't even have to talk about it that would be something to behold um well according to the wiki when it comes to secrets salarians have two different types of secrets and i didn't write this in the show notes it's just something that i you know found out when i was researching it but basically there's one type of secret that the salarians hold where given nonverbal cues the other salarian the recipient of this knowledge can determine whether or not this is an appropriate point of in 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 inquisitive thought Uh, you know should this should this pique my curiosity should i dig any further and then they will because Mm -hmm. they're information-based knowledge is power right so they'll pursue that but then there's other nonverbal cues that signal the second type of secret which is this secret is dangerous and it will be dangerous if it got out so you know don't probe but i'm telling you this for a purpose it's you know what it is and it's this face right here <laughs> our listeners are going to be like what face did he make it's, you guys it's, know it's, you guys know you guys know the face it's it's it's, it's don't share this 
that face yeah like that's the a, sound if you of share the face. this i'm i know it's going to be you because you're the only one i told right like yep that's it <laughs> and that's just that's just a little aside for salarian secrets and apparently the body language that salarians portray in order to convey which type of secret it is is so precise to salarians that it's almost impossible to fake that like it's like a human trying to convincingly fake a yawn like <laughs> have you ever seen someone try to convincingly fake a yawn it's mm. you can tell yeah <laughs> I right. mean, you can just tell right yep <laughs> um but yeah that, that that kind of covers their governmental levels their familial clans but it doesn't really address how salarians interact with the galaxy okay um we already mentioned that they're the second species to to discover the citadel right uh and you know big surprise they did so by standing on the shoulders of giants prothean giants namely right um but generally now and since they've discovered the citadel they've served as the intelligence or clandestine arm of the council and they've also served the same role in other nefarious organizations like the eclipse gang or the shadow brokers agents which makes sense um, because they they hold on to information Right. They're, they're like information prone. Walking, they're, they're just recording. Totally, yeah, they just they just remember things. Yeah, totally. They are the surveillance race. Um, right, right. And that's kind of what they do. You know, they use that to their advantage. And because of their nonlinear thinking ability and their affinity for research and information gathering coupled with their photographic memory, um, that just makes them so good at being, you know, secret agents. It makes them so good at, mm -hmm. uh, all types of monitoring activity and surveillance and things like that. And you can't and seduce them. Right. You can't seduce them. And that I happens in spy movies all the time. They can't be seduced though. I mean, I guess you could seduce them with like power or money, but you can't do it sexually at least. There's gotta be at least one thing in the lore about some Asari trying to like <laughs> seduce get a, a Solarian, get a Solarian <laughs> to spill Solarian. his beans, you know? How about I buy you another drink? Yeah, that'd be nice. So yeah, I'll take another drink. <laughs> why don't we go back, we go back to my room? I don't know. I'm comfortable here. What, is your room more comfortable than this place right here? <laughs> like, it's just like totally yeah. just over his head. Like, just doesn't get, doesn't get it at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you have snacks in your room? <laughs> do you, oh, do you I have hope snacks? they're gluten free. Do you have do you have cable? <laughs> I'd, love to, I'd love to watch the game. <laughs> That's like I got to Now I got to look to see if there are any Solarians in Cora's Den. In <laughs> right. Like, because if are there are. <laughs> Or if there are any Solarians around the clubs at all. Because, I don't think there are. Oh, why would there be? Yeah, no, I'm pretty <laughs> sure there's not. That's funny. That's like, imagine like a Solarian bachelor party. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's what it is, is it's an email. It's a, uh, it's just, an email. Please, please, everybody note, uh, I've signed up for this new contract in order to create another, another child. <laughs> Our yeah. congratulations ceremony will be on this date. I hope you can attend. <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> Superb. Sounds efficient for him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there's um, there's a lot to unpack with uh, with Solarian spies and their weaknesses. I'm sure that they, they must have their own. But the Solarian military kind of embodies this creed where they believe that a war should be won before it begins mm. and that's according to the lore you know i'm not paraphrasing mm -hmm. here that's actually according to the lore 
And when I heard this, my first thought was Sun Tzu, because it sounds just like Sun Tzu's um, ideology. I think it's straight out of the heart of war. Yeah, don't don't ever go into a a battle that you haven't already decided you can win or something like that. Right. Most battles are are won before they're even fought. Right. Right. And Salarian military doctrine also dictates that they are huge proponents of the preemptive strike. So striking before your opponent can even retaliate or you hit them first, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's the point. Yeah. Shock, um, shock and awe, and baby. Shock and awe. Shock and awe. And, you know, W would love them. Yeah. Uh, let's just put it that way. <laughs> George W. Bush would be huge fans of Solarians. <laughs> yeah. He's still he had one of the furthest <laughs> people from being a Solarian themselves. <laughs> if well, W, I, well, you're, I know you you're know, alive. So if you're out there and you're listening to our lore cast, <laughs> Please do let me know if you're a fan of the Solarians. You know what they say, fool me once, then fool fool me twice. (laughs) Whatever that is. Fool me twice. (laughs) Unfathomable. Yeah, right. (laughs) Whatever that quote is. That'd be an amazing, like, t-shirt, wouldn't it? (laughs) Like, you get, like, a George W. quote, and there's, Uh like, Solarian Spectre on there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They have... um, in the wiki, they they have it stated in every war the Salarians have fought, they struck first and without warning. Mm. Also terrifying. Yeah, um, totally. <laughs> because you never know when they're going to strike first. But it also kind of makes me like it harkens back to that feudal Japanese inspiration the writers might have gotten uh-huh. when creating the Salarian species because the Japanese in a few different wars have have struck first and without warning. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, without warning is very arguable, especially sure. when it comes to Pearl Harbor. Sure. Um, very arguable. However, it doesn't mean that they didn't draw inspiration from those historical events. Sure. Totally. They also have their own version of the Spectres, kind of. Uh, it's called the STG, the Special Tasks Group. And of all the different military groups that might be um, indispensable to the lore. The STG is one of them. They are responsible for, this is their mission statement. They're responsible for monitoring, developing situations and taking action without the shackles of law or rules of engagement to hinder them. And, uh, that's their official mission statement. However, they should stand out to mass effect fans because they're also the ones who uplifted the Krogan and they struck first crippling Krogan infrastructure, and causing planetary blackouts during the Krogan rebellions. They're also the group who developed the genophage. This is all the same group. Yeah, right. Um, And the Alliance is kind of well aware of how how skilled the Salarians are at espionage, and they consistently find Salarian agents, malware, and ongoing cyber operations against the Alliance. (laughs) like this is another council species and they're they're monitoring them and they're leading cyber ops against the alliance and so you know and that 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 never changes so that should kind of like prove how much of a second rate uh species humanity is to the council by the way because they have a council race that's leading these things against the alliance well into mass effect 3 i think yeah and uh Nothing is done. But anyway, about the STG, there's one notable member. Uh, that's Dr. Morden Solis. He's a squad mate that you can pick up in Mass Effect 2. He is a lot of people's favorite scientist Solarian. Uh, if you haven't yet uncovered the reason why I mentioned 
the descriptors in that order. It's because Morden sings a wonderful little tune in Mass Effect <laughs> 2, but just make sure that you talk to Morden a lot in Mass Effect 2 because you will discover some incredible Easter eggs, especially if you're a fan of musicals. Um, and in, in fact, it was actually because of the STG that the council created the specters themselves. The STG's operations during the Krogan rebellions were so effective, what mm. the council deemed effective at crippling the Krogan rebellions, the preemptive strikes that they led right off the bat that they said, Hmm, you know, we should probably create our own special <laughs> tactics and reconnaissance group. And we'll name them the Spectres. This seems like a good idea. Exactly. Huh. And it, so it shouldn't come as any surprise. Most Spectres are Turian and Salarian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. And so, yeah, you just kind of combine that the, the military with the dynastic tradition and the federalism plus clan type of sociological aspect mm -hmm. and it feels a lot like writers drew some inspiration from pre-industrial japan but also pre-industrial china mm -hmm. uh because there was that that dynastic tradition there as well um yeah i don't know what, what do you what do you think tom i mean i don't want to get too much into a, a deep conversation about oh well what race relates to which nationality in oh real sure life, you sure know? yeah and i but, don't think any of them are a direct an analogy they they draw from characteristics of multiple different things and historical things i mean i think that's one of the things we've we've been realizing as we go through each of these different races is that they draw from uh, the events draw from specific historical things, but not any one historical thing, just the kinds of things that happen in certain places and times. Um, the different races have characteristics that are more similar to certain cultures, but they're not just that one culture. They're not just a, you know, alien version of, you know, pre-industrialized China. Like, it, no, it that would be wrong. It's not right. But there are similarities. Which is cool. I, yeah. I, I think that, you know, any anything and even if they're not intentional, any type of creation, any type, anytime you write anything, you are subconsciously drawing from the things that you know of or you're taking something, you know, and twisting it and turning it in a, in a direction that it maybe is, is brand new, like this whole uh, situation with how they have children and how they have to you know be intentional about having daughters and how those daughters hold a specific role in society like that is going to have similarities to certain things, but yet it's still unique and different in its own way. Um, there's no way to create something that has no connection to anything. Like that's just not possible. Um, so True. That, that, that's my thoughts I wonder, on it. I wonder because, you know, Bioware is a Canadian studio. Uh, so they're very much Westernized and they're Western. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I wonder how much of the writing process, because they already said that Salarians were modeled after the Greys. So that kind of leads me to think that the Salarians were one of the first alien species that the writers had come up with. Potentially. Yeah. That being said, if if you're creating an alien species and you want them to seem alien, so not familiar. Right. We're going to use alien in as, terms of as not, not familiar. familiar. Right. Right. Then wouldn't you pick the culture that you can think of? that exists well if you think if you can think of it it's because it exists in some form wouldn't you pick elements of a culture that you find the least familiar right right something that's that's and, farther from the things that you're used to right so right. yeah yeah and so, so for for western cultures most the least familiar cultures would be eastern i think right 
yeah as you get further so away it makes sense geographically ten cultures tend to have less and less in common with each other yeah that, would, that totally makes sense i think that totally makes sense well this is very cool uh this, there's a lot in this uh during before the show before when we were chatting um you said there's some things that you learned in here too that were really cool and definitely some things that i i wasn't aware of as well so very cool stuff. Uh, you know, I like the Salarians. Uh, you know, I think they are to be feared <laughs> in a lot of regards, but um, that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, like an individual and, and maybe not trust the entire group because they're spying on you or whatever. Yeah, they must have some shrewd politicians in order to get out of that, you know, because they must have like a WikiLeaks type of scenario every week. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, man, this has been this yeah. has been a great episode. Do you have anything else you want to share before we head out? Um, not really. I've been trying to stream on Twitch uh, Legendary Edition. I don't know if anyone else is having this issue with Xbox, but I uh, I'm having a lot of technical difficulties with streaming Twitch on my Xbox, especially mm-hmm. with Legendary Edition. Just seems to shut off right away. I have tried troubleshooting it. Troubleshooting has failed. I also noticed I can't take any recordings weird uh, not no 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 like no game dvr with oh. uh with legendary edition so maybe it's a game thing i don't know have you googled uh, it as soon Has as i else can get that had that issue i haven't googled that specific issue but i yeah. have googled the twitch issue and i've tried and tried so i'll keep googling it i'll try i'll keep trying to troubleshoot it and as soon as i can get it fixed i'll get it up and running so i can stream again guys because i i do want to keep streaming the legendary edition um other than that i'm looking forward to next week's first uh patron chat yes that's gonna be a blast yeah come join us live if you can um we'd love to answer some of your questions and even have you chime in with some of your thoughts during the show uh in chat even if you can't join us live on the show and um yeah i'm looking forward to that as well thank you to everybody who has signed up already i know we we did that in the middle of the show but i I really genuinely mean it thank you so very much you guys are what allow us to keep doing this the show and and the other shows that we do um Let's see. I've got uh, we've got the big old contest on Discord. Um, people are <laughs> logging into the Robots Radio Discord. And if you leave a heart on any of the posts from May 20th onward, then you have a potential to win a $50, $50 gift card for whatever platform you prefer. Steam, uh, Xbox, PlayStation. Um, and originally this was just one because Robots Radio is giving away a gift card, but we had two other people in our community say, I want to give away a gift card too. So we're going to pick three winners and it's really simple. Just, just search robots, radio discord, and you'll find a link. You can log right in. You can join us on there, chat with us about mass effect, but any post you see on any channel, leave a heart emoji or click the heart emoji. That's already there. So your name gets added into that. And that counts as an entry. Every time you do it, that's another entry into the giveaway. And it's amazing because we have across across all the shows that I do, we have thousands of listeners and we only have like a dozen or two dozen people like actively doing this, which means that there's a really big chance if you go in there right now and just start doing this, that you will be like a potential winner for this because the competition isn't that high. Even though we've got like 1500 people on the discord, there's only a few people have really been making a point to like drop those heart emojis. I want to see emotes, emotes, emojis. uh, They're all the same thing, right? Not quite, but slightly different. The other thing that you can do is you can welcome new members to the Discord. So those those also count as entries in the giveaway. So it's all about enjoying the community and, you know, sharing some love and, you know, positivity between people on the Discord and just celebrating you guys for being here. So good luck with that. I hope uh, I hope somebody who really needs this gets it and maybe can use it to pick up a copy of 
uh, you know, legendary edition. So yeah, fingers crossed guys. Good luck with all of that. Um, but otherwise I've got all the regular stuff going on. The robotsradio.net site has been updated. It's in the process still of being, um, completely redesigned, but it's better than it was. And if you log on there, you can check out all the different shows, including the list of the current, um, robots radio rocket club shows the the group that i've been working with mentoring uh new creators and some of their stuff so there's a bunch of cool stuff there as well so go check it out go to robotsradio.net and check out all the different shows there's lots of good stuff to listen to but that's what we got going on sam thanks for hanging out again it's been fun thank you and uh love the glasses thanks man yeah i got new glasses that's that's the other thing i've got going on is uh i got old so it's not a very strong prescription like I can still mostly like it's just a little bit sharper. It's like upgrading my monitor by like one step. <laughs> I don't. Does that even make sense? I went from a 1440p monitor to 4K. That's what I did. But it's like everything. So that's fun. Um, but thanks. Yeah, I think they look all right. I, I, I've never been a glasses guy, so I have to get used to it. They actually look identical to mine. Oh, do they? <laughs> like I'm yeah. have to wear mine. Yeah. yeah. We can be glasses. Yeah, there you go. 4K glasses. That's what it is. All right. And chat, thank you for being here. It's really fun to see you guys chime in as we do the episode. Thanks for being here, guys. All right. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. We'll see you guys next week with our patrons. Have a good week, everyone. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.
Ahoy there, ye landlubbers. Avast, my name is Captain Logan, and I'll be your guide out on the Sea of Thieves. If you love the idea of stealing treasure, cutting down cursed skeletons, fighting off krakens, and raiding forts filled to the brim with shinies, then Sea of Thieves is the game for you. Join me each week as I dive into the news and bring back the nuggets of information that any sailor worth their weight in salt would desire. You don't have to be a pirate legend to gain access to my podcast. Just search for Keelhauled, a Sea of Thieves podcast in your podcast app of choice or head over to robotsradio.net or captainlogan.podbeam.com and get ready to set sail for adventure. My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. And since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. This isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. And I promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources.